Well, hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is a very special episode of the HR Social Hour. John and Wendy welcome Larry Donovan of Namely. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How are you, John? Wendy, I'm I'm well. Excited to be with you and our guests <laughs> today. Wendy, I think most of our listeners are aware we have been so incredibly fortunate to partner with Namely now for several mm-hmm. years. Yes, yes. For those of you that aren't aware, Namely was our original sponsor. Yes, they the were. OG, as we call them. <laughs> Way back in the before times, as we so eloquently call it, we had the opportunity to partner with them in a live event. We had mm-hmm. an amazing chat at the big HR conference and people enjoyed themselves and hung out at the booth and did stuff, <laughs> did stuff that they were maybe not doing as much anymore. Yeah. Thankfully, Namely came back into our sphere in the last year or so. And mm-hmm. we've been sponsored by them several times over the last many months. Yeah. We'll be working with them several times this year. We had this incredible opportunity, though, to talk to Larry, who is their CEO now. We had not had a chance to meet him before, had a chance to visit a little bit before we started recording. Really looking forward to this conversation. Yes, I'm excited. Wendy, let's make the introduction and, and we'll get right to it. Larry is CEO of Namely, the leading HR platform for mid-sized companies and a 30-year veteran in HR and the software spaces. Earlier in his career, Larry held leadership positions across sales, customer support, and product at Ceridian, a cloud-based human capital management platform, before becoming chief revenue officer at the company. Larry is also the executive chairman for Mineral, a leader in HR and compliance. Larry, welcome so much to the show today. Our first question, what is in your glass? Well, it was it was Coke Zero until I drank it all, and now it's water, so <laughs> I'm trying to be better. Water has been the overwhelming uh, number one choice of the last many months, but I appreciate a fellow Coke Zero fan uh, always. I also can't deny that there have been times during COVID that at four o'clock it was wine, but we won't go. Fair enough. <laughs> we hear that too. Yeah. <laughs> we hear that too. Well, Larry, again, we appreciate you so much making time for us and have to ask, how exactly did you get your start in the HR tech space? And then what led you to Namely? Well, that's an interesting story. So in 1984, I was working the Hertz Rent-A-Car counter in downtown Chicago after I'd graduated in 1982 with a degree in chemistry. And I was uh, a very good, someone who became a good friend of mine that worked there, had worked there for 15 years. And one day she said to me, please do not be here 15 years from now. And I was like, do not worry, that ain't going to happen. And and then about two weeks later, she said, you know, my husband works for this software company out in the suburbs and he's looking for support people. Do you want to talk to him? I'm like, I want to do anything that isn't working on this griddle car counter. (laughs) And so he hired me. He said, you're going to come work at this software company. I'm like, okay. And by the way, he got fired the Friday before I started. <laughs> I arrived on Monday. I arrived on Monday, par- terrified that there was no job. And they said, You're going to work on this payroll system we have. I'm like, Okay. And that was in 1984. So, what is that? 20, 38 years ago? And here I am. Wow. What brought me to Namely? Well, obviously, I've been doing this for a long time. And in, in around 2010, I kind of said, You know, I would really like, I, I think I want to aspire to be a CEO. And of course, like, you know, after 35 years in a single industry, why would you do it anywhere else? I also had this dream of living in New York City since I was 18. And so I was living in San Francisco at the time, uh, running a company called Think HR uh, after I'd left Ceridian. And the phone rang and it was the board member who said, how would you like to come be the CEO at Namely in New York City? Like, well, that's easy. How many HR software companies are there in New York City? And I want to move to New York City. So here I am. (laughs) I love it. I, I think 
especially in the past, a lot of uh, job decisions were based on where do you want to be, where you know mm-hmm. what city do you want to be in, what what state do you want to be in. I love it. Now we had a, we had a pandemic six six months after I arrived. <laughs> <laughs> really, <laughs> didn't really work out quite how I planned, but that's okay. So let's talk about Namely a little bit, since that's why you moved to New York. When people ask you about Namely, what do you tell them? How do you explain what you do and your services? Yeah, you know, we are we are an HR technology provider to what I call, we're, I call us a specialist in the mid-market. You know, when people talk about the mid-market for HR, you know, that's very, very broad. But we take a very, very narrow view of it. And we, we specialize in supporting the technology needs for HR professionals between 50 and 300 employees. You know, and those customers have some really unique requirements. Their businesses are starting to get complex, but they almost always have tiny, sometimes departments of one, um, that may be expanded two or three over time. And so they have very special technology needs and they have spe- very special needs around process and, and compliance. And so we'd like to believe that we've built the best combination of easy to use, but adequately functional software to support their needs, you know, along with a real focus on, on helping them proactively um, doing that work well. Larry, I'd like to turn it back to you for a minute. When we talked about how did you get your start, you said several years ago, you came to the realization, hey, I'd like to be a CEO. I know there's no such thing as a normal day for any of us in our in our jobs, but what exactly does the CEO of Namely do day to day, week to week? It's actually a, a funny question because some days nothing. Like it feels that way anyway. <laughs> so what's so interesting about being a CEO is that when you have a job where the work comes to you, you know, you can be super busy. Like when I was a product manager, there was a million things on my desk all the time. When you're a CEO, if if you're looking for stuff to do, you're usually going to get in somebody else's hair. And of course, there's all these things that go on day to day that CEOs have to do, whether it's strategy or, or, or working with the board. And I serve on some boards, so certainly I spend some of my time with that. But really what you have to do every day is walk in and ask yourself, how can I make a difference today? You know, and certainly easily two thirds of your day has some structure to it just as of the operating rhythm. But then you'll have these moments where, that stops for periods of time. And, and literally you come into work and be like, well, what am I, I going to do today? I was advising a CEO whose board I serve on who got freaked out when that happened to him because he was also, he's also <laughs> a control freak and he liked to do everything himself and he just hired a bunch of people to help him. And he was actually dysregulated because <laughs> he found himself with some spare time. Um, yeah, so it, it's, the, it's the range. The other thing that's so interesting about this job are the days you come in and how it goes completely left. And, you know, <laughs> and sometimes that's good and sometimes it's bad. Um, you know, but I remember when I was much younger in my career, I always, I'd go through these phases where I'd be like, I hope something interesting happens today. Uh, and, you know, that's, you know, you, know you, don't, you don't have very many days as a CEO where you don't say that. I think all of us are now saying I'm okay with days that aren't interesting anymore because we yeah, really, you know, yeah. we had that big interesting thing happen. <laughs> oh, I think I heard somebody say, you know, I'm really tired of li- living through unprecedented times. Can we have something precedented for a while? That would be great. <laughs> boy, isn't that the truth? And it, and it, boy, does it challenge you as a leader? I mean, it challenges uh-huh. everybody. Yeah, um, the, le- the leading through it has been challenging. I'll bet. I'll bet. And you know, as you know. Um, HR folks have have seen a lot of that. They've seen a lot of things change in in our day to day work, in our overall strategies, all of that 
from your perspective, from Namely's perspective, what's the number one human resources issue you see your customers having and how does Namely help address that issue? So I have a rant on this subject. <laughs> That's why we invited you. Woo! Like rant <laughs> time. As a CEO, this has nothing to do with Namely, by the way, and we don't write any software to help with this because it doesn't need software. But you watch, you watch what's going on in the world. You know, you'll look at the two-year window. You alluded to it. We had a pandemic. We had the most politically polarized presidential election of our lifetime. We had, uh, you know, the, the George Floyd murder, which occurred one mile from my daughter's home. You have all this, you know, you have this political, you know, controversy where, where you know, the parties can't agree about anything. And all of this is happening. And I cannot tell you how many times when I've said something like, what should HR do to, to help solve this? And it is make the CEO do their job. Because I cannot tell you how many times I've talked to customers whose CEOs have come to them and said, solve our Black Lives Matter problem. You know, figure out what to do about COVID. You know, figure, you know, it is horribly unfair to have put those burdens on HR professionals. And I've, and especially in our market, I, I have, you know, I've talked to one worn down HR leader after another, and I've done a number of, of these kinds of things with our chief people officer. And, you know, Amy and I have this amazing, you know, real relationship together. So that was never an issue for her because if she thought I should be doing it, she's like, Larry, I'm not doing that. You do it. It's your job. You know, you don't see that in a lot of companies. And so, so that's the number one thing. CEOs need to take the lead on this stuff and, and create an environment where those HR professionals can thrive and make a difference. And then look how amazingly satisfying that work can be. In terms of what we've done around our software, we've done a ton of stuff to help people to ma- manage that, especially with all the stuff around COVID, you know. PPP was a great example. Another great example was uh, a moment I had where I had a business owner. She ran a chain of yoga studios. She had 1,400 employees. She had a contract with us that obligated her to pay for 1,100 employees. And she had 50 people working because all 50 of these yoga studios had closed. Mm. Before I could even have a conversation with her about how to deal with the problem, she was crying. Because she's like, you're the 50th phone call I've had to make this week about that problem. Like, relax. I'm not going to make you pay, you know, for those people. You know, I want you around later and I get it, you know, but you know, those were such sobering moments. It wasn't so much, you know, oh, I need to write some software for this. It was, you got to have empathy, you know, across all the circumstances under which people are dealing with. And you can't assume anything about what person, one person's experience, you know, in an environment like that. Larry, we had a chance to visit a little bit before we started recording, and we we talked about, namely in particular, that you had moved from an office model to where everybody would be in remote and kind of working through that space. We talked about what CEOs and leaders need to be doing and, and equipping people, how Namely is helping address some of those issues. What do you think the new issue is or the, the issue that's going to be at the forefront for the next 6, 8, 12 months? Is it the return to work or what do you, what do you think? Well, one of the things we were talking about, about relative to return to work, like good luck with return to the office. Every single person I talked to, and I start to see post after post on LinkedIn about this. I went back to the office. They made me come back, but no one else came. So I sat on Zoom all day. But I, I'm a rule follower. So I showed up in the office, but no one else did. The back to the office thing is is dead you know, and buried. It's, it has to be reincarnated. And, you know, and, and we've, we've looked at some of the things in software we need to do. We need to, we are making major investments in our onboarding tools right now, because the way we onboard people is changed forever. 
you know, you can't assume that you're going to bring 10 people in on every Monday and have them come to New York for five days and have this amazing onboarding experience. We might still do that at some point in the future, but, you know, it's we're still not at a place where people are willing or even able to do that. And people are making different choices about how they structure their lives under this assumption they don't have to travel with frequency anymore, that they, you know, they can work from home. And when you start to ask them to go back to that, like, oh, my life doesn't really fit that model anymore. And guess what? In this labor market, there are a hundred companies that will be happy to have you under those conditions. I think the biggest cultural challenge is, is organizations kind of sorting that out. Um, you know, we made a choice to close all of our offices permanently. We will reintroduce some office space um, at the right time and place that will be about collaboration and about bringing teams together occasionally. When we look at that problem, I have a team of 15 people. Maybe all 15 people of those were in New York City prior to COVID. Now seven of them are in New York and the other eight are in eight different states. I'm not going to be able to fly them in every single month for them all to work together in an office. So why should I ask those seven that are within commuting distance of New York to come in? It's just not viable. I like that thinking that you have there with what works for everybody and making it viable. Like you said, does it make sense to have, make everybody to come in just to throw axes, whatever, whatever the latest right, right. team building well, activity is. And what's really fascinating is par- how parenting has changed. Yeah. You know, I have 30 year old twin daughters, you know, my parenting days are over. And I remember the kinds of things that were unimaginable as it related to taking care of my kids and work-life balance. And now you, it's a completely different world. I mean, I have to be completely different, sensitive in a different fashion because people are like, no, I've got this thing with my kid and I'm doing it. You know, it's not like, you know, it's not that quite, not quite that black and white, but there are very high expectations about work-life balance. And I love it. I mean, I watch, I watch, you know, the, some of the men I work with that are in their thirties having, that have had their first children. And I'm like, that's a, it's amazing that you you're you're you feel like you can make that a priority. Um, my generation, that just wasn't the case. And you know, of course, it was even worse. With, you know, my parents' generation. For sure, yeah. It's, a little bit ago, I my daughter needed to go has a show tonight, so I had to run her over to the theater and oh. make sure she got there on time. So those are those are things that just make it a lot easier for the kids too. I think. You know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I, I love that. Larry, we love to be able to share with our listeners um, about what's coming up, what's new from our sponsors. Anything big or new product updates that are coming from Namely that we can talk about? Yeah, we we just launched um, a whole suite of um, enhancements to our analytics tools and to some of our um, decision support tools, which we're super excited about. We also were very pleased to win, we have a we we won an award for customer service that we're really proud of. And Amy Roy, our head of HR, is uh, a finalist for the for the HRO today uh, CHRO of the Year award, and we're super excited about that. I'm gonna nice. gonna hit I'm gonna hit Philadelphia to you know have a little party, see if she wins. <laughs> uh, you know we're we're really excited about some of the work we're doing in um, in onboarding. While we're not quite ready to release it, uh, we're about two months away. It's some pretty amazing stuff to help, especially drive these kind of more permanent changes in return to work. Larry, something we've done to change our own work over the last bit of time, we've started to get previous guests to ask questions for us, share the burden as it were. In this mm-hmm. case, Sarah Noel Wilson asks, what has become clearer for you now personally or professionally than it was two years ago? Wow. Joy, joy, like finding joy. You know, I think that for me professionally, 
I've had periods of my career where I could truly say, I am lucky that they pay me to come to work every day. Now, when you're a CEO, you never say that, okay? It's just, not, <laughs> it's just not really in the nature of the job versus some of the work I was doing at that time in my life, my 30s and my 40s. But I do think that um, yeah, for me personally, that has become very, very important because when you manage through some of this stuff, like as a leader, as a white man of privilege who is 60, trying to deal with some of that stuff that was going on, was so difficult emotionally, intellectually. You know, I was very thankful to have two 30-year-old daughters who could, you know, who were actively helping me through that. And coming out the other side of some of that stuff, you know, really finding those moments of joy became very valuable and important. Well, Larry, on that note, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, which is the half-hour question connection. What career did you dream of having when you were a child? Oh, God. I wanted to be a dentist. And my mother said, Larry, why would you want to be a dentist? You refuse to brush your teeth. <laughs> God's honest truth story. Physician of myself. <laughs> it is ridiculous. In retrospect, uh -oh. I wouldn't brush my teeth. So why, why would I be a dentist? It's absurd. Larry, who's one person you've gained your network in the last year that you think more people should know? I, I'm going to say my, my daughter, Audra, because she is, a, she is managing a consulting team that supports a company called Eightfold. Have you ever heard of it? It's this really interesting mm -hmm. AI-based uh, recruiting product. And um, she's just a great example of perseverance. And, I, and I, I love that about her. Yeah, that was a tough question. I had to think about that <laughs> one. You gave it to me in advance. Um, but that's, the, the, you know, I'm sure there's lots of other people. That, yeah, I, I think that uh, it's a tough, it's a t it, it wasn't, it wasn't an easy answer. <laughs> Keep it in the family. I love it. I, I think that's it. a first, which is yes. not a bad thing. I think it's a no. first for us. Yeah. And I spent, let me tell you, I have spent a lot of time on the phone with her. You know, now that we, <laughs> we ended up in the same field and it's, uh, you know, if I got paid for coaching, you know, I could take an extra vacation this year. <laughs> Larry, if you could go back to the start of your career. How would you coach yourself? What advice would you give yourself? Yeah, that one is easy. Um, you know, I would, from a career perspective, I think I would have managed, I would have been more disciplined about managing my career. Hmm. I've never looked for a job. Every job I've ever had found me. And so as a result, when I have coached people, oh, I hate my job, you know, great. Look for one. Don't wait for the phone to ring, and especially in this market. And it's very interesting because both of my children, you know, have gotten to that point and then the phone rang and, you know, and one of my daughters, you know, she's, it's, it's failed her twice. She took two jobs and she shouldn't have taken either one. Now, unfortunately, the third one she took was the first one out. That one has worked out better. So I guess, you know, not, that's a numbers game and maybe it works, but what I, what I would have done is I would have made more conscious choices. I also had a period at, at a job, which I loved so much. I could not imagine somewhere else, which is a really great feeling, but it was also myopic. And so when I realized it was no longer great, I'm like, wow, there were a lot of opportunities that I passed up, one of which was going to work for PeopleSoft in 1990, if you're old enough to know that. Oh, wow. Um, you know, and so, you know, what are you going to do? Larry, how do you enjoy giving back to your community, be it HR tech space, local community, anywhere and everywhere? Yeah, you know, um, I, I do a lot less of it in the in the community, and 
I'll tell you something interesting. When I once I became a CEO, and and I got I got into my later fifties, I kind of realized that this that it was time for the the younger crowd to take over. I always saw myself, and I always felt it was so important to be a thought leader in the space. And when you become a CEO, that's not really the gig. And so I I definitely took a step back from some of that work. Um, you know. Because it made sense. Um, outside of work, one of the things uh, my husband and I work very hard to do is uh, we work at the Twin Cities United Way. My home is Minneapolis, St. Paul. It's where I live most of my adult life. And um, we've worked initiatives there uh, to try to combat uh, LGBT youth homelessness. It's hard to live in New York uh, when homelessness is already something that's really bothersome. Uh, I lived in San Francisco for a year and I've lived in New York for two and a half years. And okay. uh, the homelessness situation is just heartbreaking every single day. Yeah. Larry, what's your favorite movie? There are a number of them, but I would have to say the one the one that I the one, the one that I enjoyed uh most recently that would be up on my list in recent times is a movie musical called Tick Tick Boom. Oh, um so good. You know, I like favorite movies Clueless, you know. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, I have the I have the I have the TV and movie tastes of a 13 <laughs> I have to tell you though, Larry, I introduced my 11 year old to Clueless last summer. She loves it. She, Best movie ever. She loved it. We were trying. She really wanted to be Cher for Halloween, and yes, it was, yeah. Who doesn't want to be Cher, right? <laughs> she she loved it, and yeah, we we're constantly singing "Tick Tick Boom" here. So I, no, I'm right there with you. <laughs> Larry, what's your favorite, your most memorable live performance you've ever attended? Oh, no, this is another good one. So in 2015, I had the very good fortune, thanks to a very good connection, to um, go to see Hamilton about four weeks after it opened on Broadway with the original cast and sit in the box. Wow. Um, wow. And, yep. And so it was a, a series of events. I had bought a company from a person who I became pretty good friends with, and he had started investing in musicals. And you know, he said, if you ever need help with getting a ticket, let me know. And I'm like, all right, well, my, my husband was like, you have to ask him if we can go to Hamilton. <laughs> like, Hamilton, have you lost your mind? It is like the hottest thing on the planet. And sure enough, an hour after I messaged him, we had two tickets to see Hamilton, you know, two nights later. And uh, I didn't, you know, we didn't, nope, I didn't, nobody knew then just how big it was going to be. I mean, it was, there was buzz about it. Um, and interestingly enough, I just went back to see it for the first time since then, two weeks ago. And it was, you know, continued to remind me of just what a special experience that was. Very thankful wow. for that. Hmm. So, Larry, if you could be in any TV show, either as yourself or as a character, what would it be? Okay. I didn't think about this, but young Sheldon. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So if you've ever watched the show, young Sheldon, you know, if for those that are listening don't know, young Sheldon plays the title character of Sheldon from uh, The Big Bang Theory. And while I am nowhere near smart enough or you know, quirky enough to, to, to be Sheldon when he was young. I just relate to him in this most delightful <laughs> way. So, you know, I guess, I don't, I don't know if I'd want, I, so, so playing a bit part in that, that'd be, that would be pretty fun. It is a brilliant <laughs> television show. Recently it was announced it's going to be Larry Dunham Day all around the world. What are we going to do to celebrate? 
yeah, we're not going to celebrate. If it's if it's this month or this year, we're gonna we're gonna figure out what we might be able to do to make this craziness in the Ukraine stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that happens to be gone, you know, then we're going to talk about climate change or some other thing. You're going to put us to work then. Yeah, you put us to work. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I think there's some listeners that would join you on that. I think they would be fine. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> One of the things that's interesting is, as I've gotten older, is you know you learn so much about ego, and there was so much earlier in my career that that was more driven by the need for to to feed my ego. So the minute I saw Larry Donovan Day, I was like, no, that's this that's just off the table, you know. <laughs> To your credit, that also has never come up. So I no, it respect and no. appreciate that too. Very much. Well, finally, Larry, as you know, we are outsourcing some of our work here. Uh, so if you could ask the next guest of the podcast any question, what would it be? I think it would have to be, what advice would you give another leader or another practitioner about the one thing that you learned that was the most important in the way mm. you got to make a difference? Wow. Like it. Well, Larry, it is now in the book. It will be asked very, very soon. We can't thank you and Namely enough for all the support. As we always say, Namely is the original sponsor of the HR Social Hour. Mm -hmm. We have just been incredibly fortunate to work with you and your team, and it's amazing. This has been a phenomenal conversation. I can't thank you enough for making time. (laughs) Yes. Great way to end our week and, and move into the weekend. I know most of our listeners are probably not connected with you. But if they'd like to, best way for them to get in touch and also best way to learn more about Namely. Yeah, Larry at Namely.com is the easiest. Larry Donovan on Twitter, Larry Donovan on LinkedIn, not hard to find. And by the way, what I want to say is you're welcome. It's our pleasure. Um, But I love supporting um, podcasts with practitioners. That's that's powerful and special. And there aren't aren't that many of them, you know, but I think that, um, you know, so much we talked about ego so much of some of this stuff you know is feeding egos and i don't you don't you don't really see a mix where you got a practitioner with an ego that creates podcast like, like that just <laughs> <laughs> so good thank you, you thank you yes thank you we will have that in the show notes and then wendy how about you best way for listeners to reach you out there uh, best way as always on my blog mydailyjourney.com and of course The second and fourth Sunday of each month, you will find me on Twitter as part of our twice monthly Twitter chat. How about you, John? JohnThurman.com for all things John Thurman and for the show, hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. Listen, review, share, follow. Make sure that you're following Namely at Mm Namely.com. Go to Namely.com. Check out Larry as well, but make sure that you're connected with them. Even if you're not in that space, they're necessarily working. They have a lot of great content, blogs and such. So Mm -hmm. definitely check that out. International listeners, we'd love for you to be part of the conversation, just like Larry was today. I think he'd tell you it was fairly painless, (laughs) but it's easier for you to get in touch than for us to get in touch with you. So please reach out and let's start those conversations. Larry, again, appreciate the time. So for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect. Give back and network. network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon.